0: Stay Ready is the mentality birthed through the trials and triumphs in life as an NFL long snapper. Join me in conversations with teammates, mentors, friends, and family who helped me realize Stay Ready is so much more. A deeply rooted principle of life in all things faith, family, and football. From Music Row in Nashville, welcome to Stay Ready, the podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Ready, the podcast. I have a buddy here, Mac Hereford, in the house. Welcome to the crib. Welcome to the pod. Um, this one's cool because, you know, my little uh, co-host over there, Scotty Meyer, you and him have a little past. Uh, roommates? <laughs> former, roommates point, former, former roommates. Former roommates. Freshman year, baby. At Good Alabama? Time. Right. Roll Good old press days. Wow. So, like, now, how long ago is that? Was that, like, six? Seven years ago. Seven years ago, 2016. You're good with dates. I'm not a good dates guy. I'm not great at that. I just just threw seven out there because it sounded good, and uh, I I hit the spot. But welcome to the pod, man. Welcome uh, over to the house, and uh, you know I have connected over the years. I think the first time you and I met, we did like a TikTok at the park. Oh, my
1: gosh. Continue. uh,
0: With Devin Hodges (laughs) and the kid
1: from – Sidewinder.
0: Side, yeah, the, the
1: sidewinder. The famous sidewinder, Logan Webb.
0: Yes, Logan Webb.
1: He <laughs> oh was, my god.
0: He, at, the, at the time, this is COVID, wasn't it? COVID? Yep. So he came into town and he was like uh, at the time, like he had this viral TikTok. Um, and it was hilarious. But we were doing some weird stuff and and, and just <laughs> awkward stuff at the park. Um, and then I did we did a snapping bit. Um, and then we did something with, with Devlin. You were there catching, um, but that's the first time you and I met. COVID, doing TikTok reels at the park, uh, no mask
1: on. Um, so that was our that was our uh, where the friendship began. That I can't. I completely forgot about that. That was one of the most ridiculous. Logan had messaged all of us. Yeah, we're all out there. He had those videos popping off. Forget like he had like a text on screen that said. When he calls your sister or when he mistreats your sister or something. Night
0: under heavy rain. <laughs> yes. na, na, na. Yeah, dude. Was that uh, Jamie Johnson? Cody Jinks. Cody Jinks. Cody Jinks. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he was just, like, he wanted – he, he like, <laughs> would announce that he's coming to Nashville to do this stuff. And he'd go down to Broadway. and it, Dude, he's hilarious. And I follow him to this day. And, uh, yeah, it was, so that was the first time you and I met. Um, I still have the snapping reel on my my IG – and then I'll have to have Justin pull his TikTok that went viral. Um, but yeah, that was the first time we met, and since then we've, uh, you know, we've stayed connected through like mutual friends. Like Jordan Tom, who's one of your best buds. Mm-hmm. He's been on the podcast. Uh, you're out there at Lipscomb training with, you know, uh, Jay Holt. You're now with Jay Todd doing some stuff. Yep. And uh, and then unbeknownst to me he found out that you and scotty meyer are former roommates
1: wait you didn't know this
0: i don't i don't think so you and
1: scott hang out all the time i'm surprised like I, knew you
0: were, I knew you guys were buddies and obviously teammates in alabama but i had no idea you guys actually lived together
1: yeah we lived together so and it's crazy too because we came in same class we we're roommates our other two roommates giles amos and montana murphy both five-star recruits
0: Obviously. All walk-ons. <laughs> we were
1: all walk-ons. We were all gritty walk-ons. I'd say out of that group, Scott was the one who everyone was like kind of the bigger deal because yeah. of he was a highly recruited long snapper. Yeah. Um, and you know, it was a lot of fun. We were in Bryce Lawn apartments. So they didn't build Brian is where the football, you know, the football dorms. Okay. And they were reconstructing that. So we come in for fall camp and we're in Bryce Lawn apartments. It's me, Scotty, Montana Giles. And then across from us was like our Darius Stewart. He had some Tim Williams. Tim Williams was Traevon Diggs. Yeah. We got to get your mic fixed. I don't know what's going on with it; it keeps
0: blinking. But we'll we'll get to that. So like um, going to because I, I I don't even know what it's like to even experience like a m- massive Division One, if you know, the biggest program in the country when it comes to football. Um, I mean, was it pretty like surreal to finally get moved in? You're on campus, uh, like you said. You're a gritty walk-on. I mean, what is that experience like for for those who don't really know what what that's all about? But going in as a walk-on to the Alabama, you know, like the Crimson Tide, the tradition, the dogs, the best program in the country. Were they coming off a of Natty that year when you when you got there? Yep,
1: they just they just beaten Clemson in the national championship out in Arizona, I believe. Okay, or was that when they were in San Francisco? Wait, that was in Arizona. Oh, Arizona. Arizona, okay.
0: Yeah, and we had uh, Trevor Lawrence beat them the next year. Uh, No, three years later. later. Okay, all right, all right. So pretty, it was pretty. Yeah,
1: wild. Alabama was at the top, is at the peak, obviously, is coming up. Everyone knows Alabama is a powerhouse now and dominant. I was, I grew up in Alabama, always wanted to go to Alabama. So when we originally came in, definitely a little bit surreal, you know, for me especially because that was my dream, like always as a kid to play at the University of Alabama. And then it was fun because we come in in summer. And there's walk on tryouts. We all were what you would call a preferred walk on. Yeah. so we all came in at the same time as all the scholarship guys that summer. and it's a little bit crazy. like it it almost felt like football camp. Yeah, we get moved into these apartments. And again, we're in these old apartments, all the football guys. Uh, and Scott, I would say, had a little bit different experience because again, he was more of this like he would we're me, Giles and Montana are other roommates these guys who were like strictly preferred walk-ons, not necessarily going to play or anything. But Scott had a chance to play in the first couple of years. Yeah. Everything like that. But it, it was it was definitely surreal. And I remember waking up early in the morning, like this is real, getting up. All of us were a unit. We had to get up at the same times, being accountable. And, um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. The first bit of it, it was really cool. And I think it took a little bit of time. That fall, that summer camp, after that, that's when it kind of sunk in. Like, okay, now we're here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so as like as a walk on, are are you from Alabama?
1: Yeah, okay, born and
0: raised. So I mean, it's either Auburn or Alabama, obviously. Yep. Right? And so you you stood true to uh, going to Bama. That was always your dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know there's always like a house divided. You know, they get an offer from Auburn, they get an offer from Alabama. Sometimes they go to Auburn when everyone expects them to go to Bama, or vice versa. Um, and I just think it's cool, man, because I'm you know I'm from the West Coast, went to Division two school. And, uh, you always see the guys, you know, at the, you know, either the under armor game or the, whatever the all-star game. And they announce they got the five hats in front of them. And and typically they always lean to the, they throw out, pull out the, a, you know, the, a hat at the end. And, um, there's been some funny ones where, you know, some moms get upset when they don't choose (laughs) or whatever the case may be, but like, it's a big, massive deal, but to get a preferred walk on is a big deal too. Uh, what is their walk-on program like? Is it um, is it kind of small? Is it very selective? Is it do they take it very seriously? Um, I mean, kind of walk us through the regiment that they put you through, um, kind
1: of in that role. Yeah, so I would say that the there's like I said, there's tiers, I guess you could say. I mean, I think you would agree. There's the preferred walk-on. I think they take pretty dang seriously. Yeah. Like you got guys like Scotty. You got guys like Giles Amos, who's was. Top at his school always gave Giles a lot of shit because his school was There's – y'all beat Giles. They're small. Yeah, they're small. small. So, Giles' highlights were sick. But you got guys like Giles Amos, one of our roommates, tight end, ended up getting a scholarship. Baller, you know, Montana Murphy from Texas, our other roommate quarterback, played at South Lake Carroll, was like a great quarterback in high school. So, the preferred walk-on group was pretty small of that group of guys coming in who were already on the roster. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, when you get in there, there's not – for a lot of things, I mean, there's not like a huge separation between walk-on scholarship, you'd say, right? Like you're on a different side of the locker room coming in.
2: Right, and you got to get in the back of the line.
1: You got to get in the back of the line on a lot of things. But um, so, yeah, we I would say there's there's – we come in, you have to like, you know – when stretch lines, if we're at the back of the line, yeah, you know, and run groups, sometimes they did like a walk-on group. um, And then workouts, like the walk-ons, we worked out together. So there were some separations, but nothing like completely crazy. I mean, we would eat with the whole team. We would go through different processes with the whole team. But there was definitely – it was our role coming in that we were going to be walk-ons, and our job was to be the best scout team players we can be and prepare that way. And then for – if you're going to try to walk-on – And do that program, they would always put out like a flyer and have guys come in. And I feel like they always wanted to break – like they kind of wanted to weed out the walk-ons was my interpretation. Like when we came in, Scott Cochran, we all loved him. The walk-ons loved him. But he would – he was extra hard on us because there's a lot of guys who say they want to do it. But being a walk-on in Alabama is no joke. Like if if you have to, one, love football – like someone told me this coming in and it's fact. Like you have to love football – you have to love playing at the University of Alabama, and you can just never quit. Like, you were going to be against the odds. And you could. You have to
0: be okay with not suiting up on a Saturday afternoon.
1: Yes. That was extremely difficult for me freshman year because I'm thinking, okay, I made the team. I'm on the team. I'm in the locker room with everybody. I'm, I'm going to every single practice. And at the end of the week, you may not dress out freshman year, especially freshman year, whatever is a walk-on. It can be pretty, like, i was down you know like whenever i didn't dress out or or go on a saturday i'm like this doesn't make sense to me the whole team doesn't you know like why are they not having the whole team dress out um but then when you do get to dress out that moment was pretty unbelievable yeah well it's like rudy rudiger right
0: like he would tell his family back home like yeah i'm on the team i practice every single day i'm on the scout team but they don't see him on the sideline they don't see him dressed out they don't he may have not even had a number you know, he may have not even had a nameplate on his jersey or a locker. But, yeah, until you actually suit up, it kind of solidifies, yes, like, I am, you know, part of this uh, this Bama team. And I would have to imagine that, yeah, it's, it's a little down for sure. Like, um, obviously, as a freshman, like, you can't have terribly too much expectation as far as, like, playing time and all that kind of stuff, unless you are that five-star that comes in, highly recruited you're a skill position, you're a line, whatever the case may be. But if you're not that dude and, dude, and coming from anyone who plays as a true freshman, I don't care what level it is, is a stud. You're a baller. You're a baller, and yeah. especially at the best program in the country. And, uh, I mean, you, you can name all the all pros, the Hall of Famers who have come out of Alabama, uh, not to mention all the All-Americans that you're on the roster with. So, yeah, th- I mean – Every you have to have expectation. Like you wanna get on the field. You have you, you put in the sacrifice of being a scout look team guy, everything just getting I couldn't even imagine being a lineman or a running back or a linebacker, like just getting drilled every single play, Monday through Thursday, whatever the case may be, and you don't even see the field, it may, it may take three years. Yeah. Or you may never see the field. You know what I'm saying? So, like, uh, do you remember that first time dressing out?
1: Oh, it was, hell, yeah, I remember that day. Was, <laughs>
0: was it a home game? It
1: was a home game. It was one of the best moments of my life. Like, again, you take a guy who wanted to play at Alabama his whole entire life, um, and I, that was my dream. So, I get there. I'm a preferred walk-on, get the opportunity, and then I'm in that locker room. I'm working extremely hard. Again, first game, not dressing out, whatever. And then when I got that chance to dress out, the walk-ons actually had to walk. So if you didn't travel, you had to walk to the locker room. So they're doing the, we have to get there before they do the walk of champions. So we walk in our red sweats. And it's like, it's an interesting feeling. At the end of it, I took pride in it. But originally I was like, Gosh, like, this kind of sucks. Like, there's fans out here.
2: Yeah, you look like you're, on the cheerleading team. Yeah, you,
1: you yeah. could be a cheerleader. Everybody asks
2: you what sport you play. Somebody's like, are you on the basketball team? He's like, do we look like we're on the basketball team? Yeah.
1: <laughs> and you're walking. So you're, like, walking by, like, tailgaters, all this stuff. And you walk in the tunnel. And then once I got in there, that's when I was, like, holy cow, this is awesome. Yeah. You get to your locker. They have your locker in there. They have your jersey laid out. And the first time I remember seeing my crimson jersey, I just wanted to take, like, tons of snapshots in my head because I'm, like, this is, this is not real. Yeah. You know, this was my dream, and here's my jersey with my last name on it. There's no better feeling in the world. I'm like, I made it. And then you get to go out there for warm-ups, um, and it felt like the warm-up was like my national championship. You know, I'm trying to catch every pass, running as fast as I can. Uh, and then we do the stretch lines, and then you're out there, and it, it just it's hard to soak it all in. There's all this stuff that's going on. You know, you look around, you see Bryant-Denny Stadium, and i had been going to Bryant-Denny Stadium my whole entire life. Um, and I'll never forget just walking out that day. I think there's a, a picture of me and another buddy, Daniel Powell, who we played with, both getting to dress out that day. And it was just – I remember other teammates being like, dude, how it feel? You know, like older guys, scholarship guys, other walk-ons. And I was just like, man, I'm living the dream. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is awesome.
0: Do you uh, – how do they notify you that you're dressing out? Do they tell you Friday or
1: – It's on a list, right?
2: Yeah, it's on a list. You go in uh, Thursday after practice, after – Run through and then um, everybody who's like on the fringe just runs to. Yeah. So it, little, it is they, like the movie Rudy where he would
0: go yeah. every yeah. Thursday, Friday, and put it look on the, the list paper. And...
2: I would. So since the specials, we had our little freedom. Um, on Thursday, I'd like go in there during practice, look, <laughs> let the boys know. But for the ones I didn't let know, they would like run in, check the list after, and either yeah. complain or be excited, text their family. And it's it kind of sucks because like like the first game of the year was always somewhere else so you could bring more guys. And so some walk-ons, or like the SEC championship, some walk-ons didn't know if they were going to get to go or not. And so sometimes their parents might have to book a flight the last minute. Sure. Yep, sure. So stuff like that.
1: But it, it is exactly like that. Like I, I remember Scott's talking about like he would know because it's a specialist. He's going in and checking and stuff course you are scott uh but for some of us like i remember it's thursday practice we are in that final huddle and it was just you know not every guy but a lot of us ran to that locker room and wanted to look straight at that list and it was always like it was like did i am, am i in or am i out you know and you see your name on there it's one of the best feelings in the world yeah you don't see your name on there you're like well shit this yeah. sucks
0: well yeah you know? Did you have any, like,
1: inkling of,
0: like, just a feeling that you were going to have the opportunity to dress out that week?
1: I think so. I think I always had the feeling. I guess it was, like, you know, if I go get a lottery ticket, I would say the same thing. But, like, oh, I'm, you know, this is the week. You're
0: always optimistic. I'm always
1: optimistic. Was always optimistic. Always, like, I didn't talk about it. Like, am I going to be on the list? Am I not? But in my head... I was like, oh, I'm going to be on the list this week.
0: And is it is it a week-by-week week basis? Like yep. one week you could be dressed up and the next week not? Yep. That, well, so, like, you could only dress out 80 guys for yeah.
2: SEC home games. And so you got to think they're dressing out 76 scholarship guys, a couple walk-on specialists, and then maybe a couple extra walk-ons. Yeah. So that was always on the fringe.
0: That's cool, man. Yeah, to live in that moment is really cool. I remember my first time with an NFL jersey in my locker, and it was usually Saturday before the game. You pack your bag. The bags get shipped out to the stadium, and they always have your jersey on your shoulder pads. And I just remember, like, it it was a home game. It was my first preseason game with the Colts. My number 45 jersey was on there, Overton on the back. I remember taking a picture of that and just, like, soaking in the moment. And then you see it in your locker game day. When you are in, I'm you know, you know Peyton Manning's locker was not too far from there when he was there as a Colt. You know, I'm next to Pat and Adam and dude. You just like, I'll never forget it. You see that your name played on the on the locker and you just think about like how many dudes have been in this locker that's been blessed to dress out and wear this uniform, have the, you know, the Colts emblem on the side of the helmet. And it's a home game. You run out and same thing. Like I told my family, I said, listen, you have to be at this preseason game. This may be the only time I ever see an NFL field. So my mom and dad were there. My parents were there. um, And uh, I just remember, like, it was a massive celebration. It was a huge accomplishment. We went out to dinner afterwards. And, man, it was like you kind of feel that weight lifted off your shoulders a little bit. You know, it kind of solidifies all the hard work, all the sacrifices, all the days where you never thought that you could make it. And, uh, yeah, so seeing that jersey for the first time, man, like, it's – it's different, and then you see a picture of you in the uniform. Oh, uh-huh. dude, it's like it's so cool, man. And it, I think it's even cooler for the family to see you from the from the stands. And uh, it's a it's a cherished moment forever, man. And it, no one can take it away from you. Yep, you know whether you play one play or none or a, a hundred. Like, dude, you are on the field, and you are doing it. You're part of the team. And it's like, yeah, it's a dream come true for sure.
1: Yeah, it's a very, very small amount of people who are going to get that opportunity. Yeah. Who are going to get to do that. Like, it's just, when people ask me about that first time dressing out, it's hard because it's like, like you're saying with the Colts, it's almost so much, like it's, there's so much going on. It's hard to soak it in because there's all these little details. And then all the
0: anxiety of, of the game, too, and the pressure and the hype and... You know, it's just, it's wild, man. And so, yeah, dude, I was a nervous wreck my very first NFL game. And it was just like, but as soon as I ran out for my first play, like, you just black out, you know, you don't realize, you know, there's 70,000 people there, whatever the case, or you're on TV or not, like, you don't, you don't notice that stuff, you know, when you're on the field. Yeah. Um, But you can get in your head a little bit when you're on the sideline, like, Oh, man, my name's getting called soon. Like, you know what I'm saying? like it's it's wild, dude. it's but it's all the preparation, man. Like you just get on the field, you go do what you're you're instinctually uh, prepared to do. and yeah, you just kind of black out in the moment.
1: Yeah, know? I mean, so talking about the first time you ever get, it was my sophomore year, and I was dressed out, and I told we were playing who? I'm like Mercer, Western Carolina. So we're playing Western Carolina. I'm a sophomore. And for a walk on at Alabama, Like a lot of schools, you look at a Clemson. They're putting in walk-ons in games. It's like 30 to zero, whatever. They're putting in walk-ons third quarter, fourth quarter. Coach Saban. It was you don't put in walk-ons until it's 90 to goddamn zero or something. Like it had to be like there was no way in hell that the other team could come back or win. You want we we beat the breaks off teams and then that's where you got an opportunity. So we're playing Western Carolina. I told my family, I was like, don't even come to this game. You know, like I'd been dressed, I dressed out a good bit freshman year, dressing out a lot sophomore year. So I'm at this game. My dad and my sister were the only ones at the game. I feel bad because I told my mom, I was like, just don't come to the game. And I didn't expect as a sophomore, you know, when guys, there's some guys who walk on who don't ever get in, you know, don't ever get to get in the game. So sophomore year, it's senior night, right? Senior senior day. Yeah, it
2: was senior day because we were playing at Auburn. It was it was Mercer. Sorry, it was Mercer. Mercer. Okay. But we were playing at Auburn away the next week, so this is our last game of the year.
1: Yep, last game of the year, sophomore year, senior day. So I didn't expect. I was like, okay, if they're gonna put in any walk-ons, it's gonna be seniors. I have my my helmets down on you know behind something behind like a bench or something, and I just remember being on the sideline and we're winning big. It's in the late in the third quarter. And I just hear, like, Mac, Mac. And I'm, like, looking around, like, what's going on? All of a sudden, I'm, like, they're, like, Eric, get over here, damn it. I'm, like, holy shit. So I go and get my helmet. I'll strap it on. I get in the huddle. And, and two, I didn't even know. So I, in high school, I would always have a cheat sheet. Like, I would Word, Microsoft Word document. We had, like, a big high school playbook and put every single thing I was supposed to do. So if it was play one and it was something right, you know, whatever, whatever. I would literally put block, You know, whatever my task was on the play. So it was hard for me to learn the plays at Alabama. And walk-ons were on scout team most of the time. So you're not learning the plays. It's hard. If you want to learn the plays, you have to go the extra mile. Go with a GA. Try to learn these plays and these concepts. So I didn't get the concepts. I didn't know my splits at the time. I didn't know anything. And I remember Jonathan Rice, one of my teammates, we're in this huddle. And I'm like, dude, just tell me run or pass. Like, I don't even know. And I go out there, and my splits are horrible someone said it may have been nice wonder. Or someone said it may have been one of the worst splits they've ever seen in college football I'm out like on the sideline you know like I do not know what's going on I know it's a run play and I can hear my brother so my brother's not at the game he sees me go in he hears from my mom, or my brother and my dad and my sister he's at some friend's house flips over a glass table when he hears it like breaks it you know it's like pumped and then his friends are all back we're close to the end zone his friends are just all lit, you know, tailgated a bunch. And I hear them. Like, it's this huge stadium. And I hear like, Mac, Mac. I look, around, I look behind me and I see them. They're going nuts. I run this play and I don't even think I made the block. I think I messed up. Every single assignment you could mess up. You blacked out. Because I blacked out. Yeah. You know? And it was it was just so funny. It was so stressful because I kept on going back to the huddle. And I was like, dude, just tell me runner pass. I don't yeah. understand these like this, like alien language to me at this point. Yeah. Later on, I, I I learned all the playbook and everything. And then when I got a chance to really compete in like the spring game, I felt great out there. Didn't black out. But that first time I was black out.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's one of those things, too. It's like, um, you know, they always say if you're, if you're going to make a mistake, make a mistake at 100%. You know what I'm saying? Like at least know what you're may, at least look like you know what you're doing. And I mean, dude, I just remember like there would be times in college or high school, even you know, now just being a long snap, there really is nothing to to know this other than like a a scheme or a block or something like that. But uh, yeah, dude, one of the worst feelings being on the field is is uh, not knowing what you're supposed to do <laughs> or where where to line up. You know what I'm saying? And like some of the best memories I have of college is you know you get you get a you know I played defensive end or a linebacker and and. You know, as was a starter, so I was out there quite a bit. But with my buddies, like, if I heard the play and they didn't and I didn't give them the call, you know what I'm saying? Like, we always banter back. We reminisce on those days, like, dude, you remember when you got the play call? You didn't tell me. You got the sack, and I got double teamed, and I got pancaked. Like, I remember all that stuff, bro. Like, it's so funny, but, like, you feel like a fish out of water. Not to mention you're playing for Bama. Yeah. You're not playing for Mercer, who's getting the wheels break, broken off and – like, everyone's just getting clobbered. You know, it, it probably looked like they didn't even know what they were doing. Yeah. Because, I mean, Mercer, what is that, a, a very small Division One school? Yeah, D-1 AA. Yeah, so they, I mean, they stood no chance. Yeah. You know? But that's that's incredible, dude. Like, to have that memory, have that moment to uh, to get on the field. And it sounds like you got to experience that several t- more times throughout your career.
1: Yeah. And like, I, it was, like I said, I didn't know sophomore year, that's when I kind of got it. I was like, holy cow, I got put in a game as a sophomore walk-on. I really need to dive in and and learn this playbook. And I ended up learning it. And then I think it was my junior spring that I was running with the twos and starting the spring game. And that's where I was like, holy cow, like, I know this stuff. I know the concepts. It was also hard. Once you learn the concepts and plays, you got younger guys or some guys who just don't know how to learn the playbook, scholarship guys or whatever. And they're asking you, when you, you were saying when you were running out there, I remember running out at wide receiver, and I'm trying to remember my task. Yeah. And so and so's like Mac, what do I what, what do I got on this play? I'm like I'm panicking. Like let me just yeah, <laughs> let me yeah, do yeah. it, but I also want to help this guy out. Yeah. It's a funny thing. Learning the playbook in college was definitely a struggle, but once you get it, you get it. I mean, I can't even imagine offensively what
0: it's like. I hear the play calls, especially in the NFL, and it's twenty words. It's this, that, and the other. There's and it's like all these different keywords that you, like you said, you would highlight on a, on a cheat sheet. Like that means block or, or pass or whatever route you need, whatever. And then you, then you got to read a coverage. Yep. There's checkdowns. There's all that kind of like, dude. My brain was not created to be an offensive player. Maybe offensive lineman, but when it comes to like all those, everyone harps on the quarterback, but they don't realize how hard. It is not only to memorize the play, know what you're doing as a quarterback, but you literally have to know what everyone else is doing. I cannot imagine. It is wild. Like, there's some awesome John Gruden uh, clips. I'm talking very loud. There's some awesome John Gruden clips where I forget what quarterback was with the Tampa Bay Bucks, but, like, he couldn't get the play call, like, correct. Like, it took him, like, five times. You know, and, again, it's all this terminology – Strung together, yep, and they have to. They're probably nervous as all heck getting in there. Not to mention they got to hear it through the, the headset, and then they got to communicate to the to the whole offense in the huddle. And John Gruden like lost it. And those clips are it just just goes to show like how hard it is to play quarterback. You know what I'm saying? And uh, man, I I just man, I give it up to you guys. You guys are gritty walk on dogs, man, and you guys live live the dream at Alabama the highest level there is in college football, and you got to experience some incredible highlights as far as, like, national championships, SEC championships. I mean, Mac, what are, oh, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. ahead. I mean, I was you just saying, saying like,
2: do you remember, like, while we were still on this topic, do you remember who the backup, backup quarterback was that came in with you when you were playing on that game against Mercer? Was it Mac Jones?
1: No. Austin Johnson. Four-string quarterback. AJ. He was a senior at the time. Dog. Walk on dog. Played wide receiver, but played quarterback in high school. One of those guys who played like every position. And I think he I, I really think he could have gone to a lot of D1 schools and played, played. Wildcat quarterback. He was unreal. But he came in. I'm trying to think who else came in because there was someone else who got put in as well. Maybe it was Mac who came in, too. But uh, yeah, it was that it was Austin Johnson. who was an absolute dog. That's cool.
0: Let's talk about the uh, white receiver.
1: Um, <laughs> That's what my mom thought it was. You know what I'm saying? Like, my mom would say, My son's a white receiver. She didn't understand that it was wide receiver. And she called me a tied end. She's like, He played tied end in oh high school. Gosh. I'm like, Mom, are you kidding me? You, gotta you got to get mom versed, versed on the, the terminology here. But a white wide
0: receiver going to Alabama, where you have, I looked at an Instagram photo that you you have like pinned on your uh, profile, <laughs> but it's, you got, I think there was, there's Waddle in that picture. Yep. There is, uh, was Jerry Judy in that photo? Waddle,
1: Jerry Judy, Henry Roggs, Devonte Smith. Think John Mechie, uh, Xavier Williams, Tyrell Shavers. There was a, a it was a lot of ballers, <laughs> a lot of ballers. And you're the white, white
0: receiver <laughs> of the group. I mean, how, like, intimidating can that be? Because we always clown on every team I've been on. If you're a white uh, receiver or a DB or a safety, where traditionally that's not the case because our athletic skill or speed is not quite up to par with the other brothers that are just dominating at those positions, um, it's like the white point guard, you know? it's like yep. the, It's like the Jason Williams, like – it's the it's the it's it's so funny to to kind of joke about but it's so true too because it's like they always talk about like hunter renfro right cooper cup those guys who are just very very good but they're very like mechanically and skilled in a way whether it's their route running or they don't drop any balls um they always know what to do they're always at the right place at the right time um i mean talk about going into a room like that where not only are you a walk-on, but you're going into a room where it's like every one of these guys who I'm behind on the depth chart are dudes that I will never be better than.
1: It was tough. And there was – so I talked about this the other day, but the crazy thing was what I explained to someone is not only are these dudes at a high, high athletic ability, elite level, speed, vertical, you know, strength in the weight room, whatever it is. So I knew coming in already, I'm at a disadvantage with that
0: massive, yes,
1: massive disadvantage, but they also work just as hard as my gritty, you know, yeah. I'm a gritty walk on. I've like, that was my thing was hard work. So I'm trying to make every little thing perfect, whether it was like the mechanics, like route running. I try to think it was fun because I would go up against guys like Patrick Sertain and practice. And my goal was how do I beat this guy? He's a, you know, a lot like higher level athlete than I am, but what ways can I beat him? And so I I learned to create different things, whether it was like coming up with a different move on a route, you know, whether it was just having my routes down to a T, I I think a lot of guys run routes that are like a pretty high speed smooth. I was just trying to run routes at 120% just to be on their same speed level and get to the right spots and then also having to put something on the top to try to create separation. So it made me a lot better wide receiver to be around those guys. But it was crazy because people think, okay, these guys have such high athletic ability and you're like, hard work's gonna beat talent. These guys are talented and they're working hard. You know what I mean? So it was a crazy, it was it was fun. I don't, I don't think it was necessarily like super intimidating, but I just remember looking at like when we ran 40s and I'm thinking like, I'm a pretty fast guy, you know, whatever it may have been, four, seven area. And I look at that 40 sheet and I'm the slowest guy on that sheet. You got four two, four three, four three, four two, four four. I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to do? You know what I mean? And they can move side to side better. I remember Calvin Ridley and Jerry Judy, two guys who's like could just do these movements. That I think if I did any of those movements, my legs would have shattered. I would have had a torn ACL. Yeah. You know. But it was it was never really intimidating. It was fun. It was it, it was exciting and it was awesome and it was motivating because I realized I had to improve. Every little thing. And if I knew, you know, this guy's got speed, he's got this, he's got that, how can I, Mac Hereford, you know, being a white receiver, develop something that they don't have? Yeah. And so I had to become a technician, like a route technician. I was running routes constantly. And catch every. And route. catch every goddamn yeah, ball. Yeah, yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just, and not to knock the white wide receiver, because I, I mentioned a few guys in the league who are really, really good, but there's not many. You know, and, and it's just one of those things where it's like there is kind of a stigma attached um, to the white skilled position player in football, you know what I'm saying? And uh, it's just, it's wild, man. But I think it's cool, though, like you mentioned, you got to learn and watch some of the best wide receivers in, in the entire nation, not to mention now they're in the pros dominating at their, at their, at their sport as well. And uh, did you ever think of, was there ever a a thought in your mind that, like, maybe transferring would be an option for you to go somewhere else and try to get more playing time? Um, Again, like, I feel like now the portal is obviously a huge thing, and this didn't exist when you guys were in school. But, you know, was ever transferring an option for you or a
1: thought? Definitely was a thought. I think that it was a thought for probably most every walk-on at some point. Um, just because of the fact that, like, a lot of guys – I didn't have that thought come in until after that I got my, like – the spring game got my chance and opportunity because that's where I was like, okay, you know, I got an ability to be with the twos. We had a couple of injuries and things like that. And so that made me think, like, okay, I am running with the twos. Regardless if we have injuries or not, in a spring game for Alabama, I could probably play somewhere else. So that thought definitely came into my head. But I think at the end of the day – I wanted to make sure I graduated from the University of Alabama. Not saying there wasn't, like, tough days where I bought up that thought or talked to other teammates about that. But at the end of the day, I think, like, I was going to stick it through at least to graduate from the University of Alabama. But that thought definitely creeped in at times. Yeah.
0: So as you uh, go with your career at Alabama, did you do, do five total years there? I did four years. Four years? Yep. So uh, Four seasons. Four seasons. Okay. What What were some of the – Your highlights. We talked about a personal highlight, obviously getting your first game dressed, getting some playing time. Are there just any special moments in your mind that uh, um, just kind of live in your heart forever?
1: Definitely the moment we talked about earlier, which was the first time I dressed out, the first time I got into a game. I remember both those moments. like I could paint a picture in my head and and put myself in the exact same spot. Um, Another time would definitely be when we won freshman year won the playoff game in Atlanta against who Washington
2: Yeah Washington against
1: yes. Washington last game in the Georgia Dome Yep the well, last college football game in the Georgia And my brother was a senior at the time and he was what's called a capstone man and so they like were tour guides for the school like an ambassador for the school and they took the capstone seniors like the university did to those games paid for their like travel hotels, everything is like a gift for their reward them for all the time they put in. My brother's wearing a red jacket and he's wearing the Georgia Dome and he's sitting right here. And we were winning that game. And all I was thinking about the whole time was like, I wasn't worried. I mean, I'm not getting in. So I'm like kind of looking for my brother. You know, I love my brother. He was all my family are a huge part of my life. But after we won that game, there's a clip of it too. My dad got it, but I sprint. I didn't know if it was allowed. I'm a freshman, you know, walk on at the time. I didn't know. I've seen people sometimes jump in the stands. Didn't know if it was allowed. Whatever. But I run over there and I'm see guys like T.J. Simmons. I remember was was over there with me. He leaps up there. You know, a guy in our class, easy. You see me run and I jump. I see my brother and his friends. I jump up on that wall, buddy. I didn't make it even where anywhere close to the top of that wall. I pancaked that shit hit it and then I like they're all dragging me up and I'm and it's my brother and his friends that moment I will never you know I'll always remember that moment jumping up and celebrating with my brother, the poor performance of the jump and the horrible vertical getting up on the Goes
0: wall. Goes back to the athletic skill set. Yep.
1: <laughs> Goes back to Devontae the athletic
0: Smith skill was just like oh, one, one leg
1: sprung uh, up there.
0: Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, Chris yeah.
1: Owens, we had a lineman who just jumped yeah. on up there. So I thought it was going to be easy. That wall's a lot higher when you got closer. Yeah. Um, but that moment was incredible. And then winning a national championship that year, I remember that we, you know, it was just a roller coaster of emotions. You got Andy Papanastis great guy, but you know, I'm on, I'm getting in a sprinter stance when he's kicking that field goal to win the game and it misses. And that sprinter stance turned right back up into just me standing there. And I'm like, Holy cow, what's going on. And then we Tua throws that ball. And I remember sprinting across that field. Like I was running track in high school. I'm just darting, like holding up the number one. Like we did this thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. being a part of a national championship team is, is a different feeling. Um, and then there were just moments with the boys, whether we're going and doing things. I remember a moment actually from freshman year. Scott had us to Atlanta for a concert. It's not really football related, but he had a group of football guys. It was me, Josh Jacobs, Irv Smith, Giles, Scott, Preston. Uh,
2: yeah, Preston. I brought the boys to Dirk's Bentley. Good
1: for you, Scott Scotty. Meyer brought the boys oh, to Dirk boy. Bentley with all my high city. school
2: friends, man.
1: Yep, yeah. and that like moments like that outside of ball, and I think that was Josh's first country concert. May have been Irv Smith's first country concert. And I'm thinking, look, we're – Scott's brought these guys. We have this group. You know, we had a great group our freshman year that was like a little squad. Um, And there's a picture of us actually that's like Josh, Quentin Williams, Scott, me, Irv Smith, Preston, Giles. But that weekend was a ton of fun. You know, I'm I'm with these guys that I would have never met in any other, you know, way besides football bringing us together. And then Scott's brought us out there. And we go to this Dirks Bentley concert, and then we're eating Waffle House after. You know what That's I mean? Awesome. Like that kind of stuff. Like,
2: do you remember when? Uh, and you know how? Like, we knew Josh Jacobs was a workhorse because he carried my buddy Hayden after the concert
0: a mile on his back. A mile. Why didn't he, Why did Hayden need to be carried? I mean, I think his legs were too, just a little yeah, bit tired. Had, his legs were tired. Had, yeah. Too, too many Coca Colas at the show,
2: or something.
1: Yeah. Had a little bit to drink. Josh doesn't even know this Josh guy. Josh doesn't yeah. even
2: know the guy. Carrying him on his back, my friend. He just carried him. So your boy Hayden, do you remember? remember Oh, he he ended up having. He was supposed to take his dad to the airport the next morning. He ended up having to stay at my house that night, and he's actually in the picture the next morning that we all took.
1: (laughs) It's pretty funny. That's hilarious. But moments like that, yeah, yeah, absolutely, Yeah. yeah. So those were great times, and then my, you know, there were moments like I remember, I Mac Jones came in, and I was always really close with Mac, and started a thing called Mac to Mac, really cheesy, cheesy thing. But like, it was funny because like when Mac, it was like Mac to Mac, you know what I'm saying? And so like, I remember Mac and I always loved seeing his development. And I'll, one of the best times was when he came in my senior year against Michigan and I'll never forget the moment he gets in there, you know, he's starting for us this game. We had some injured quarterbacks and seeing him go out there and do what I knew and I thought he was capable of doing. The whole time and seeing guy that i throw with on saturdays you know saturday nights whatever it may be grinder get in there and absolutely carve michigan but not only that there was a play that was always vivid in my memory i'm sitting next to my buddy pierce quick on the sideline and we're watching and i'm like yes like max in there he's doing his thing and matt gets absolutely drilled on a play gets up and you've probably heard this story scotty but he rips off his patch. His his patch is barely hanging on his jersey. He, I'm like, holy cow, is he going to get up? Mac Jones doesn't just get up. He shoots up. He rips that patch off, and you see a dog. You see Mac Jones. You're like, I love it because he's put in all this hard work, and you're finally getting to see this guy who's been a grinder, and he's doing his damn job, and he's doing it well, and he's out there, and he's a warrior. I'll never forget that, just being so happy for him in that moment. Um, but the list goes on and on of just incredible memories that will never, you know, I, I can relive those days every single day. And
0: you have a relationship with many of those guys to this day. Like you mentioned Quinn and uh, Williams, the, yep. the jets, but uh, you just saw him recently, didn't you? I
1: did. So my buddy Dawson Knox, who trains yeah. in Nashville was yeah. from Nashville, had us up for a Buffalo bills game. And Q, I actually went to a game. I went to his wedding, uh, but and was, in it was an incredible wedding. One of the best wedding experiences I've ever been in. But, uh, also, just saw him recently at the Bills game. I told him him and Dawson. There's actually a clip from the Pro Bowl of them talking that Dawson sent me, where they're like, "Oh, Mac, Max, my boy, Max, my boy, whatever." That's really funny. But it's cool because Dawson's a guy I met you know three years ago, different background, wasn't a Bama teammate. And then you have Quinnen, who's a great friend of mine, one of my best friends, and those guys getting to see each other. And then Q. So we're at the Bills game. We're on the sideline. I see Q and Dawson meet up in the middle and I'm like, hell yes. And Q actually gave me his Jersey after that game. That's
0: cool, man. Uh,
1: so it was awesome. And it's just really fun to see those guys. And yeah, it's, it's still a great relationship with a lot of former teammates. That's
0: Cool, man. I, I one thing about uh, Quinn and, you know, I played with his brother Quincy, uh, when he was a rookie with the Jaguars and, uh, at the time, I mean, just to talk about like Quincy's growth as a player, like he's a bona fide starter now and he's a dog, um, And when he was with the Jacksonville Jaguars, he was just kind of like his athletic ability kind of got him by. Um, I just remember him being on, like, the punt team. I mean, he wouldn't know how to block on punt team. Probably never played special teams in his life. Um, But to see his growth from Jacksonville as a rookie, I don't know if they traded him or cut him or whatever the case may be, how he landed with the Jets. But to see him, like, not only playing with his brother – But, like, being a freaking dog for the Jets, who's one of the best defenses in the league, like, he's making plays all the time. If you would have asked me five years ago when he was a rookie in Jacksonville if he would be the player he is, I mean, athletic ability aside, yes, he's got all the gifts in the world. But like mentally and like in tune with the game. I mean, people don't realize too. Like being a middle linebacker, you're like the quarterback of of the defense too. You may not have the green dot on your helmet, but you're you still need to know what's going on. But bro, I'm so proud of him. That dude, like, cause he went to a small school, you know, little undersized. But bro, he is ferocious out there. He's flying around, bro. It is like, awesome. Yeah, no, like, it's it's it is very cool to see Quincy balling out and then not not only that playing with his brother which is not many people get to do that at the professional level you know what i'm saying that's
1: That's, what i was gonna say is the brothers i when i watch football and you see two guys they're brothers they're on the same team they're both defensive stars you know q will probably be a pro bowler again quincy williams may be a pro bowler but it's like for me it's 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 really cool because I love Q. I've known Q for a long time. I know Quincy really well now. Love Quincy. Both incredible dudes, incredible personalities, brothers on the same team, on the same defense, both doing their thing. Like, it is awesome. There's not – I can't name, like, another brother duo that's on the same side of the ball on the same team that is doing what they're doing and are the kind of guys they are. Yeah. There's nothing like it.
0: And I kind of feel bad because we would give uh, Quincy, you know – he would get, he would get, kind of get dogged on in Jacksonville because Q, his brother, obviously first round draft pick. What was he like? Top three? Number three? Number three? Um, he bought him. He would, you know, Quincy had this like yellow Ferrari or Porsche or something, like a, a nice exotic car. And I don't think Quincy got drafted. He may have been. He was a third round pick. He was twenty nineteen. Really? Well, that's high. It is. High. That's pretty high. But I, I believe Q bought him that car. <laughs> like a two hundred fifty thousand dollar car and i'm not i'm 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 not kidding this was during the time where he may not even make the roster like he he did not know the playbook was not excelling on special teams because he maybe he didn't care whatever the case may be but kind of a fish out of water you know what i'm saying but i mean again it goes back to what i said i'm so proud of the growth that he has had as an individual as a player as a man and to live his dream with his brother is, like, really, really special. Because I saw what he came from as a rookie in Jacksonville where he might have been that bubble guy. I mean, I'm being yeah. completely honest. And um, it, it, that's cool. And that's just, what's special about football. Everyone kind of learns at their own pace. Unfortunately, in the NFL, you don't ha- have that long leash where it's like, all right, well, we'll give this guy a few years to figure it out. No, you have to figure it out right now. Um but that was kind of my little story of of Quincy. Like he always would roll in with the chain on and you know, got the nice exotic car and his hair is always done up and twisted good and looking fresh. You know, Quincy
1: Williams saying? has that drip.
0: No, he does he have that drip. That drip. He has that drip, man. A lot of guys do. And uh, I remember there was a rookie in Indianapolis one year, you know, and every team has their like rookie initiation, whether it's singing in front of the team whatever the case may be, and this one dude who's a safety from Clemson kind of thought he was all that. He refused to sing in front of the the team. And this guy had his name on his license plate. Like, it was like – I know one of those guys. Something, something green or whatever. I forget what his name is, and I, I feel bad because he was actually a teammate of mine. But, like, when you have, like, Reggie Wayne or somebody like that call you out, hey, man – or Robert Mathis call you out, hey, man, it's time for you to sing, and you refused – to sing, bro You get hounded Hazed for the rest Until you stand up and sing You don't even have to go up there and do good You just gotta do something Sing Jingle Bells for all uh, Happy Birthday, whatever the case Just do it have a, Put your ego aside And go do it But I think he got hounded because Again, he had the nice car Spent a lot of money on uh, his, You know, uh, an exotic $150,000 car And then you put your name on the license plate, <laughs> that is uh, a questionable fine when you walk into the facility. You know what I'm saying? like That DB room was probably getting on him when they saw that he had his name. And, I, I, and I've been fined several times by things I post on Twitter or Instagram by Vinatarian McAfee. And I learned quick, like, hey, someone's always watching you. You know what I'm saying? But putting your name on a license plate, I feel like that's got to be that's a fineable offense for sure. Who, we, who has a name?
1: I'm not going to say his name, but Scott and I both know a guy. Name on the license plate at Alabama. Shirts, everything he would wear, the brand.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: You know who I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I
2: know who you're talking about. He, he actually, I mean, since we're not going to name names, he rented his rims. He didn't have any money, but he wanted, like, the nice rims. on like, well, the have nice have the NIL,
0: They didn't have the NIL But he back rented
2: there. his rims.
0: I mean, like, it's... <laughs> respect i didn't know you could do that he
1: was doing it. everything for the drip in the brand i respected yeah, it yeah, some man. people hated it i respected the hell out of it i loved it
2: well he had a whole brand based off his number and then he changed
1: numbers and they had a different brand based off the, the next number was he a was he a good player though he was pretty damn yeah, he good was a good player he he's had still a good player yeah he's still a great player i feel like a lot of that can slide if you can justify it by the way you play and he had, so he was playing, you know, sometimes he wouldn't play that much. Like, there were some years he didn't play as much, but he just, he was a dog. So, it, it was a little bit justifiable, yeah. and no one would want to mess with him on the field because he would he would crack some skulls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would crack some damn skulls. But if you're
0: not making those plays and you're doing that drip stuff on the side, a <laughs> little
1: questionable.
2: Findable offenses. He had some of those Ruben Foster-type kickoff hits. Yep. Ooh, Reuben
1: Foster. He would
2: take off somebody's head.
1: Dog. Reuben Foster, dog. I will never forget when he – when I was – so, Garrick Dieter was – had just graduated. It was in a, so, it was going into sophomore year, and I was getting him to help me out. He was training back at the facility. He was a wide receiver, white guy wide receiver, baller. Um, and Love Reuben that. Foster came back. So, there was O.J. Howard, Garrick Dieter, a group of NFL guys who were training nonstop. Now, Reuben Foster was taking NFL visits, going to these places. He comes in the locker room one day, and they're doing like off-season training together. And I remember they went out and did 110s. And I don't think Reuben – Reuben is an unbelievable dude, extremely hysterical. But I don't think Reuben had been like running like they have. They have been running every single day. Again, he was on these trips, going to see these teams, meeting with teams, whatnot. He comes back in there, and they go do 110s. These other guys have been doing it every day. Reuben Foster's a linebacker. He's smoking everybody. Yeah, smoking them all. It's and like, I'm like, how's this guy doing? This, it's like man? Micah Parsons, dude.
0: He he's the fastest dude on the Cowboys roster. And then there's a couple guys who were right there. But when it comes to like get off, we do a thing every single. Uh, I think it's Thursday, right after special teams. Our our bones fossil lines everybody up on the line. You can participate if you want, um, but it's a, it's just a get off, and they have. What they have in uh, Dallas is pretty cool. They have actually like a uh, like a, a, a like a, we're outside. I don't know how they do it, but it's a it's a camera from overhead. I don't know wh- how they get the angle, but we have they show every Thursday, every Friday morning or Saturday morning they have the line. Everyone's on the line, and it's a five yard get off, and you get points for being the, the top three. And Mike, whenever Micah was on the line, I mean he was number one. I mean this is like against Turpin. Trayvon Diggs I mean all the fat CD lamb like in this dude would blow everybody out and he would do one-on-ones on on Saturday as a receiver and he would do just a go route you know and they're not catching the ball they're just it's all competition thing and uh, it's pretty incredible to see someone like Michael Parsons you know he's the the fastest dude on the team and he's a linebacker it's wild it's insane Level, there's there's levels to this thing There really is There's yeah. levels to it And just imagine How cool it would be To walk on a field Knowing you're that guy Like I can line up Anywhere on the field I can go in the A gap I can go over center I can be on the edge And I know that Whoever's on the other Side of the lineup For me I'm gonna beat him It's gotta be pretty cool To feel that way I
1: would've loved I mean, it's, that It's field.
0: like being LeBron On the court Yeah You know what I'm saying Like No one can Can match you It's like Miles Garrett same thing. It, well, Miles did it first, and I think then they started doing it with Micah, and now you're seeing all these dudes like T.J. Uh, Watt doing it, and all these other freaks just line up wherever they want in in pass rush. Pretty incredible. Cool. I don't. We we can't do that, unfortunately. You
2: never finished top three.
0: Top three what? On those five yard get offs. I got number three once. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I got a I got a half point. I think it's like three points. And then if you like, if you uh if you are like neck and neck and it's like you really can't distinguish whose helmet is across the line, you get like a half one. I got I so I got on the list one time. Hey I yeah, OG? I got a half star. They were hype for me, bro. When my name was on the list that Saturday morning, they're like, Okay, I see you, O V. Like, yeah, let's go. Long snappers, let's go represent and I always did it. I did it every every Thursday.
1: Yeah. I've got a question. So Obviously you played it a crap ton of different NFL with a crap ton of different NFL teams. You're all over. You've been with a ton of talented guys. Who was was it Micah Parsons? Who was the most talented player that you ever played with? I know it's a tough question, but like who was a guy that you were like, this guy is just abs"? a lot of the guys were next level, but I'm saying like next, next level yeah, guy. Micah Parsons
0: definitely is on that list. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say Jalen Ramsey is the most Freak of nature, most athletic dude I've ever
1: seen, playing the hardest position. And that was when you were with the Rams? Uh, Jacksonville. Was, Jacksonville, okay. I forget, Ramsey was with Jacksonville, then the Rams. Now he's, is he still with the Rams? Where is he now? No, he's in Miami. Miami, that's where no, he is. Jalen Rams, Nashville guy, shout out.
0: Jalen Ramsey is probably, um, I mean, him and Micah, you could probably put them in the same category for sure, but um, – to see what can, Jalen can do, I got the interceptions in practice and even in the game, the way he hits, how fast he is, how strong he is. And I'm not going to lie, I probably have never seen Jalen work out because I was probably never in his group working out in the weight room. Um, I was usually always with the offensive side of the ball or whatever the case may be. But to see someone like Jalen Ramsey just can manhandle anybody He can go up to a lineman and ragdoll him or hit him on a pick, you know, when there's an interception and everyone peels off and just goes trying to get a block in. And, like, it's incredible, like, the power that these guys have. And they may not be, like, number-wise strong in the weight room, but there's, like, a – there's a dog in them, you know, when they're on the field and they're strapped up. Like, you don't want to mess with them. I mean, it's like – it's like Miles Garrett. You see what he does on a basketball court. Jalen Ramsey, when I've seen clips of him when he goes and plays at BA when he's in town, the dude could probably be in an NBA All-Star dunk contest. Like, the dude goes through the roof. It's wild. But Jalen Ramsey, I, yeah, I would have to say Jalen Ramsey and Micah Parsons fit in that same category. Jalen probably a little bit more. I mean, he's a smaller guy. But he's really not that small, dude. He's 6'2", I don't know, 210. I don't know what he is. But, I mean, he's he's a big dude still. Talk about drip. What about Khalil Mack? Does he fit in that? I, w- I never played with Khalil. Oh, he he wasn't. In- he wasn't in L.A. With, when I was there, um, but there's like, but then I think of like Andrew Luck, like sneaky athletic, you know, like yeah, goofy athletic, could run through a brick wall, could could truck anybody, you know what I'm saying? Another guy that was pretty wild was, uh, do you remember a guy named uh, Laron Landry? No. So he played at LSU as a safety. The biggest biceps. I mean, you could you could you kind of question like, is what is this guy taking? He was <laughs> he's a, he was a workout freak. Look up LaRon Landry. He at the time. Do you remember Mus- Muscle Farm? No, what's Muscle the Farm. brand? Um, it was a supplement company. Um, Corey Gregory, my buddy out of Ohio, but he started Muscle Farm, and then Muscle Farm became like the premier supplement company for um, the UFC. So back in like 2010ish. Like you see, you saw MP, the MP logo on all of the UFC, the mat, the octagon, and then they started signing athletes, and LaRon Landry was like one of the very first um, NFL guys to sign onto that brand, Um, but he got drafted to Washington, Um, I mean, he falls in that same same category as like, um, uh, who was the guy that passed away early? Um, Sean. Sean. Sean Taylor, yep. like Sean, like hard-hitting safety, you know, box safety, run down, like Jamal Adams. But LaRon Landry was a freak. His nickname was Iron Man because of his physique. You, you need to show him a picture of. him. Let me him. see a picture of him. It is wild. Oh, buddy, he looks. But LaRon, I'll never forget LaRon uh, when we picked him up in the off season. I don't know if it was a trade or not, but it was a massive uh, acquired player in the off season. It was probably like pre or post draft and he had just come off of a pro bowl year with the jets i believe his first practice we were like in just shells like just helmets and jerseys and reggie wayne was on the team at the time reggie goes across the middle for a catch and laran decleats the reggie wayne in a shells practice and this was LeRon's first practice and it was like everyone like the whole practice just stopped like you don't you don't hit the quarterback and then you definitely don't hit Reggie Wayne on on a play and this dude was like he was the the kind of guy that you had to tell him like hey just like you need to slow down and pregame he would always go into a shower and he would hang like some resistance bands down from the shower head and he would like get a workout in and there was one time i think we were playing in Houston and there was no lights in the shower it was all dark and i'm in my locker but i could hear somebody like in the shower like grunting and like making noises and i walk around the corner and it's Laron Landry with a resisted band around the shower head and he's doing like tricep extensions <laughs> and then he he runs out for pregame he's the guy he's the guy that tucks his jersey up so his abs are hanging out this guy was a freak of nature it was he was a specimen the coolest dude, too. But there's just, like, again, we talk about levels. This guy, I mean, he would just snort pre-workout before every rep. You know what I'm saying? But Leron Landry was another guy that, like, maybe not on the on the same scale as, like, Jalen and Micah. Um, but a guy that I played against who was without a doubt a game record J.J. Watt. Like seeing him, like the things he did, like dominating a game as a defensive lineman, like it was incredible. Like and I saw Robert Mathis, I saw Dwight Freeney, but like JJ Watt, man, that dude was in his prime when he was what is he, MVP, defense MVP like three years in a row, was a show to watch.
2: Something about Leron Landry. Yeah, you know, what you got the pulse? <laughs> I'm laughing. Because you said you're talking about how you know you question if he's on something. Well, I think he got suspended. He got suspended three times in uh, between 2014 and 2015 within a year span.
0: And he is still indefinitely suspended from the NFL. Yeah. So I think when he was with us in Indianapolis, it was like 2014. So around that time, he got suspended. Three times. But again, when those things happen, you don't scratch your head. You're just like, gosh, dang, it took this long to figure it out. And again, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to sit here and, you know, accuse him of whatever. Because there's so many banned substances on the list that are like, I mean, we're all naive about. I mean, there was guys getting, in tr- like Sudafed, or, or, I mean, was it like Sudafed or like. Advil I mean there was like high doses of certain things that like get in your bloodstream and you
1: would pop a positive test. So I Even mean the energy drinks, I think like a lot of them had or like yeah. pre-workouts had stuff in it. Like at Alabama they wouldn't let us take yeah, oh, they yeah. wouldn't let us take C4. You know, explode. I mean all that stuff was like very questionable. But LaRon Landry when
0: <laughs> when my boy would walk out, you'd be like, Oh my like he was doing like muscle again, muscle farm was like predominantly like a, uh, a bodybuilding type mentality. And, you know, Laurent Landry is the kind of guy that goes to Venice Beach, Gold's Gym, doing workouts outside, no shirt on. Like, that's his thing, you know what I'm saying? But one hell of a football player. I mean, his highlights at LSU, when you watch him, or even when he was early in his career with uh, the Redskins and Jets, like, the dude was a dog. You know what I'm saying?
1: That reminds me of, uh, at Alabama, one of the ways that you would know someone's a dog. Scott, correct me if I'm wrong, but is when there was a group of guys that would smoke Marlboro, Marlboro, how do you say it, Marble? Marble? Marlboro? Marlboro. Marlboro blacks before the game in the showers. We had guys chiefing in those bad boys. Those were the, fu- oh shit, I was about to say F. Those were the guys yeah. smoking the blacks. That's just different. In That's... the shower, halftime, Yeah, getting a little bit of, you know, smoking the blacks, and then they're back out there taking the kicking ass and taking names.
2: Yeah, you got guys in the shower either praying or smoking the the backwoods. Yeah, you yeah. got the
0: you got the prayer shower, and then you got the uh, the smoke chain yeah. shower. Yeah. No, it, it will, like, dude. It, even in Dallas, like, and and this goes back to like junior college and like college and all. Like, there was just guys who I played with that were never not sober. Either they're high. Most of the time they're high or what, and they, they can function very well with, you know, vaping before practice or before, I mean, it's like, it's wild to me, you know what I'm saying? And I mean, there was guys vaping in the locker room all the time and I don't know what they were vaping. I could only assume it was some of God's green medicine. I don't, I, I don't know, but I mean, it's just, it's incredible that some of those people can function. Like it was like. I remember O lyman in high school. They would they would put Copenhagen in their mouthpiece, and then go and then go practice and play. I'm like, what? My head would be spinning so bad that I would have to go home and call my mom, like, <laughs> "Hey, come pick me up." You know what I'm saying? Like, it's 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 crazy, man. All the dude football's so cool. Like when we talk about this kind of stuff, like, and it's all sports. It's a unique setting where, again, you talked about. I would never you know, interact with this individual or these people if it wasn't for football or sport. And, it's, and it, 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 it is really special because we've all got to play with some of the best athletes in the world. And they're just normal dudes like you and I. Same dream, same passions, same personalities. Um, and if it wasn't for football, you know, you would have never met those people, you know yep. what I'm saying? So looking back, you know, on my career, yeah, it's been so cool just to interact with some of these people and you may never see them again or may never talk to him again, but like the moments you had in the locker room or at the lunch table or in travel and on the field, it's, it's pretty cool. You know what I'm saying? It
1: really is. One of the biggest things, if you ask like, what's the biggest values of playing college football or football in general was a hundred percent relationships. Oh, 100. Yeah. Like just
0: those memories, the brotherhood and the camaraderie, the locker room, that's the things that I, I mean, competition is one thing, but like the, the camaraderie is the, is the special thing, man. You just miss the locker room banter, like, all the jokes and, and all. Dude, I just, it's fun, man.
1: It is a good and time. And you gotta,
0: and people have to realize that you have to have fun because it's such a high-stress environment all the time. I mean, it's that way in the NFL. I can imagine it's that way at Alabama because the standard is so high. Like, every game matters. Like, we're winning a national championship. We fall short. We're losers. You know, not but not every program thinks that way because a national championship is so far-fetched. Like maybe winning the conference is a is an incredible feat but to be in an environment like that and i've always said this to younger guys like if you can endure a program like this whether it's alabama or the nfl and you can stick through it and you can fight through the mental barriers and the stress and anxieties and the in the doubts and the failures and you can just keep going keep grinding you know correct your mistakes you know endure the coaches just calling you out in front of all your peers, you know, highlighting you on a, on a clip on a, on a video when you're messing up, if you can endure that, dude, you can go, when you get out of the football realm and you walk out and you're no longer playing, have the confidence that you can go dominate in any other field, whether it's business or real estate or whatever the case may be. I just feel like it equips you so well and it builds your character in such a way and unique way that, 99% 99% of Americans will never get to experience. And so it's like the character that you build, the, the calluses that you create on your body and your mind, like you can go have the confidence to like succeed elsewhere because you've endured something that most – it's like it's – I don't want to compare it to military, but it's almost that same mindset where like if you can endure that boot camp and you can endure the stuff that you go experience overseas and in war, like – Yes, there's like PTSD and all those. I, I, this is not me comparing the military by any means, but it's almost a parallel because you, you you experience something very very hard and difficult that most people never get to experience in their life. So when I walk into like a, a business meeting, sometimes there's a little intimidation because maybe I'm not the best well versed person in business or real estate or you know content creation or whatever the case may be. Like you can still be. I I've been through some stuff. There were. I'm confident in my abilities. You know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And so I think as we pivot here, let's talk about like things that you're doing now. So um, you do a lot of things on social media. You do a lot of podcasts. You do a lot of content creation. I mean, I don't know. Are you an influencer? Is that kind of a a, a hashtag that you uh, you bought into? Are you a uh, when you go when you go into your uh, Instagram or or uh, Facebook? Are you a public figure oh god i mean what is it now like what do you what what wh- What are you these days because you do a lot of things and you you came gifting us it is the it is the christmas uh season and so you brought a uh personalized paddle ball or pickleball paddle which is sick it's a the uh mac hereford uh limited edition Yep. by vantes Yep. vantes but uh man you got a lot going on so like what's what is going on
1: it's a lot and it's always a hard question the hardest people it is to explain it to one really anyone who asks but like especially when a when a parent who's a friend of my parents or something we're at a party i haven't seen anyone in a long time and they're like mac what are you doing now they always are like my mom's friends are like you're doing that influencer thing aren't you i'm like no like no 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 you know but all to say, I've uh, kind of divided it into two different buckets. All right. So I have this side of it where, you know, didn't play much at Alabama. Loved my opportunity and experience, and cherished every single one of those moments. And I love talking about it. So I was able to build somewhat of a brand from Alabama football because everyone's interested. Everyone's interested. Yeah. Everyone wants to know. And so it's like a lot of people. The thing is, just people are like, I, "There's no, I don't, I don't have any right to talk about Alabama football over." equipment manager over anyone who was a part of the program. I just love talking about it because it was my dream. And so I was able to build a brand on that side, doing different things around the community, uh, just being around the the guys and, you know, showcasing what we were doing or showcasing things that I went through or, you know, just experiences at Alabama, whether it be at a playoff, a national championship and giving people a little bit of insight into what, you know, the program is about without ever giving them really anything like deep or anything or anything that we weren't really showing already. Um, So I built that brand and I would say, you know, people use the term influencer. I hate the term influencer, but I, I kind of do some of that stuff on one side is content creation. So I was learning, you know, okay, this hits on this platform, this works on this platform, all just kind of through figuring things out. And so it started with that where it's like, okay, I'm at the University of Alabama. I want to showcase this. Like I don't feel any shame about it because I am here. I'm putting in the work. You know, whether I'm a starter, whether I'm the guy who, like I was, never really played on Saturdays, I was a part of that team. And so was able to build this kind of content up and got on TikTok when it first came out and was building relationships with like Gary Vaynerchuk, who's huge on a lot of different things. He crushes the game when it comes to content, when it comes to business, entrepreneurship. But so I develop the content side of the bucket, which is where I do do brand, I do do, <laughs> do. I do brand deals, and so I have like a partnership right now with the exporting goods. I'll, you know, get paid to post something on my story. I'll get paid to do a partnership with so-and-so or post something. So I have that side of things. but I really utilize that side as a tool for my other bucket, which is kind of the entrepreneur business side, which is where, you know, an app company, for example, Comes in and they want to know how do we make content? How do we do? How do we build a brand? You built a brand, and that's where I showcase this side of it. You know, it's a it's a brand building tool. It's a good networking tool, community tool to meet new people. So I take that side and I'll go to an app company or startup business and say, Look, I was able to do this with a guy who hardly played at the University of Alabama. I can do it with your brand. And so I'll I'll come in and I'll help companies almost as like an accelerator at some point or kind of deal. So I'll come in and it's usually these startup companies and I'll help them work a deal or or figure out how to talk to influencers or content creators, how to, you know, make content for products, what things they need to be doing, and then also connect, like connect them with other people or resources that may really help their business. And that expands. That's kind of like the main thing I do in that area But it also could be just consulting, you know, if a company wants to learn how to grow or they want to, like I said, get content creators or come up with a campaign, that's that business side. And then there's a mix in between of just a lot of other random stuff. We're talking like the pickleball paddle, for example, that was just something fun I wanted to do. I saw brand value in it. It, There was a need because people were always asking me, where do I get a pickleball paddle? What's the best paddle? I'm like, I'm going to make a pretty darn good paddle and put it out there so that, you know, when people ask, I have a product that they can go back to. Um, and then the podcast stuff, uh, I want to eventually start my own podcast. So it's a way for me to get reps and, you know, be around people. I, I heard yours, I texted you after it when you're on brings the juice pod with Frank. I knew, I knew who you were. Everyone in Nashville knows who Matt Overton is, but like to really get to hear, that's one of my favorite things about podcasts is your story, your journey. And so I've, I've fallen in love with that. Like in podcasts is just the ability to hear other people's stories. And like, you know, we, we listen and we talk throughout the day, but Podcast is where you really get to know, like I really heard your story. I'm like, okay, I respected you already, but you're a lot more than a football player who's been in the league for tons of years. You're a grinder. You've been doing this day in, day out. No one has your story. No one's had that. So love the podcasting stuff, but it's not a great explanation of what I do, but in a sense, that's the simplest way I can put it. There's a lot of different stuff and I love just like bringing people together, helping people, hearing people's stories and communicating at the end of the day. No, I think – and
0: that's a good – I mean, because, yeah, when I think of influencer, you think of all the women out there who are selling – you know, my wife is, like, addicted to – she follows every massive Nashville influencer in town, and it's annoying because I listen to her. or I I eavesdrop on – she's on her phone. She's listening to this girl ramble on for, like, ten clips in a row. I'm like, what is she talking about? Oh, and and, and some of it's really good insight, especially when it comes to, like, parenting and, like, things to do with the kids or a new food product or whatever the case may be. But my wife loves the influencers. But to me, it's annoying. I'm like, I can't... I can't fathom sitting in front of a mirror, filming myself showing off shirts and pants and new socks and these new slippers for the holidays and this new face wash and all the... I'm like, dude, like it's hard enough for me to do like one TikTok reel and it gives me anxiety and stress and it gives me a headache. Not to mention standing in front of me or f- filming yourself and how many takes it probably takes to get it right. I'm like, I'm glad I'm not married to an influencer because they would be on their phone twenty four seven and it's it's a nonstop like business because you have to be current and up to date with like everything. But what you're talking about is you're more of like a connector. But you also do, you kind of have, uh, you got you got roots in a bunch of different little sectors. You know, you talk about, you know, product awareness and partnering with these other companies to bring brand awareness to certain things. And I think it's, and, but you also have fun doing things like,
1: It's you a know, lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And the content side of it's fun for me. I yeah. think like, you're talking about like, I don't really do those videos that is like, I mean, occasionally if it's a brand deal it's paying really good, sure. I'll try I mean, to do yeah, it. But yeah, yeah. for the most part, you'll never see me, hey guys, like, I'm here. I've got these like cookies. They're really they're the best cookies you can Click get Click the link to get, you know, use Mac, yeah, code for, Mac. Yeah, code yeah. Mac
0: for a 25% discount, all that kind of stuff.
1: I'm like, not really doing that, but I love, I actually enjoy content is fun. I looked at it as a way of like, I love creating. I've become a creative, like creative mind. I used to be, I think when I was in high school, such a structure, like do this, do that. And over time, big shout out to my brother, my oldest brother, really creative opened my eyes to that world. I had an English teacher that opened my eyes to being a creative. And it's fun because I think of it as like, you know, I'm out doing these different things. I just like showing what I'm doing. And it's not to a point, you know, it's, it's a lot of times, like, it's just fun. You're hanging out with the boys. You're getting these organic moments. Like it's just, it's a fun thing to me. And that's why I don't consider myself like your modern day influencer. Cause I'm not like selling products left and right. Yes. I have like a brand deal through content and social media, but it's just, like, fun stuff, and I enjoy it, and I don't really feel like it's forced. I feel like it's all pretty natural for me, and it's just just kind of fun documenting, like, a lot of what I'm doing and, like, things and, no. you know, experiences. And I, I try to do that, but, I, again, it comes down to, like, the, uh,
0: the the time that it takes to do it. I'm now married. I got two kids. There's a lot of things going on in my world, personally, where, like, I can't dedicate five or six hours or an entire day or a week to, like, just do all that kind of stuff. And it takes a lot. I mean, it's 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 a very – you have to be scheduled out on a lot of that stuff, and it takes a lot of dedication. And, again, you have to be – it's like being a, a sports analyst. Like, I've never really been tugged in that direction, like, with this podcast. In, in particular, like, yeah, I'm a football guy. I'm an NFL guy. But I don't like always talking about it because I'm not consumed always in that world. And being an analyst, like, you have to know – everything that's going on, all the stats, all the injuries, all the this, the that, and it's like, dude, I would be on my phone scrolling nonstop living in that world, and my wife would probably hate me for it because I'm just always glued to my phone. You know what I'm saying? And I love the guys that do it. Like McAfee, is an inc- what he does is incredible. I can't fathom his schedule. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy, but it's his passion. He loves doing it. He's so good at it you know? And so when I, when I see these other content creators who are just crushing the game, like there is a sacrifice attached to it. You know what I'm saying? It's not all the stuff behind the scenes that goes into it. And, and I mean, can you speak on that a little bit as far as like, how do you even get started as a content creator or an influencer or making these connections with companies to get a brand deal? Like how, how do you even, do you have a manager? Do you have somebody that do you have an agent? Do you have, I mean, what, I mean, how does it all start?
1: Yeah, so I guess I'll, I'll segment this into a couple of different answers. But one of the things is, how does it start? How does someone become an influencer, content creator? It's pretty easy these days. That's the cool thing about it is all you need is a cell phone. You have a cell phone, you can pull that out. And a lot of it is there's multiple different strategies, but it's putting stuff out there. So it's doing things and it's stuff you're usually passionate about. Like I tell people, if you want to go that route, if you want to be a content creator, you want to be an influencer, what are you passionate about? Are you passionate about sports betting? Okay. Well then just start putting your picks up. Look, look at other ways that people are doing it online. How these people in your niche or the thing you're passionate about are doing it. And just, try to do a similar thing, but make it your own, you know, and get out there and start posting stuff. I tell one guy all the time, I'm like, dude, he's like, how do you do this? How do you do that? I'm like, it's not like, it frustrates me when people ask me like how to be a content creator, how to do this. And I get it. Like some of the stuff you have to learn, but at the end of the day, it's similar to a lot of things you got to put in the work. You got to pull out your phone. If you want to do this, pull out your phone, start making videos. Doesn't matter if it's like, Oh, it's perfect or whatnot. Like Say something, do something you're passionate about, showcase what you're doing. That's the easiest way to get in. Once you get in and start putting stuff out there, hopefully something sticks. And there are little like nicks and tricks or whatever you call the, whatever the words are to be able to do things better. But a lot of it's like, if that's the route you want to go similar to an art of some sort, it's similar to playing football, similar to playing basketball, being an accountant, a lawyer, you have to study a little bit, like look and see what other people are doing. Look and see what works when you find out what works. Just try to practice doing that, maybe like figuring it out. And naturally over time, you're going to learn, you're going to be able to do it. And the cool thing about that field is it's not like being a lawyer, a doctor, you know, these other things where you have to go to med school, you have to do this. No, you can literally start. You can become this off of bringing your phone out and researching a little bit, looking and see what other people are doing and just start putting stuff out yourself. That's how you start. And then when it comes to, making a little bit of connections and talking to brands. It's, I don't have a manager. I've been, you know, approached by groups before. I've done non-exclusive deals with management groups um, where I don't, you know, if they don't bring me a deal, they don't get paid off of it. And I love that. And I do that because I get to have a personal relationship most of the time with the brand. And a lot of it too, is just asking. Like you have good content. Maybe you don't have, maybe you got like 5,000 followers, but you're pumping out stuff that's really good in a certain niche. Hit up some companies in that niche because your thousand followers that follow you for being the best, you know, plant guy, like knowing about plants. I mean, that's a really random thing, but someone who's like talking about plants every day, you have five thousand loyal followers who want to hear what you got to say about plants. Look up every goddamn plant company, shoot them a message, say, "Hey, I would love to work with you." You know, people are always scared to do shoot that message. Yeah. It's not hard. Like Instagram is a crazy; it can be very. It's a very bad app at some point, you know, some point in time and can do some bad things to your mental and can same with TikTok. They can consume too much time, but at the same time, they're very valuable tools. If you utilize them in the right way, you can connect with people you never thought you could connect with. Like there's a guy who does Christian content and he does uh, he's gotten big into TikTok. We've become friends. I've gotten on a phone call with the guy, Talked to him and it's cool. I would have never met this guy without social media. So it's a good part of it. And he's like. To tell you how he built it was crazy is he literally was in a dark period of time in his life. The only thing that could get him through that was his faith in God. And so he's like, okay, I want to document my journey for myself. I want to speak these things for myself. I want to read scripture to myself, tell myself these good like motivational tools. He puts up a camera. Literally, his first videos are him like, you know, God's going to get you through whatever you can, you know, whatever you trust in him, put your faith in him. He's going to get you through anything, even when you're in the darkest times. He was saying that because he was going through a dark time and he was seeing if it would improve over time. The guy starts doing it. It starts popping off. It's he can make a full time business out of it because he was being authentic. He was being real and he was just documenting it. And it was for the, you know, to it was try for to, himself, for it was himself. the people. Yeah. But it ends up helping other people. Yeah. And that's one of the cool things, too, about it is it can help a lot of other people. But it's a lot about, you know, reaching out to people, shooting your shot. Like, there's a lot of great people out there. And sometimes you may get bad response. Like, yeah. there's a guy I worked on a podcast with who hit up someone and said, hey, would you want to come on this podcast? And the guy was like, maybe when it gets a little bit bigger, buddy. Like, what kind of response is that? You know, but you're going to get those. But you're also going to get the relationships where, you know, I've met someone off Instagram. Who in real life, we're friends, we're yeah. buddies. I want to help them succeed, like I, you know, and they want to help me succeed, and we cross paths, and we end up seeing each other in real life and like you know, in person, and it's it's a pretty awesome and fascinating thing. No, it is, and I mean, is is you being in Nashville one of the reasons
0: why you came here, or I mean, it, it's it, it's become like the influencer city, right? It's it's no longer Music City; it's influencer city. It's like the
1: LA of the South. Now. It is,
0: bro. It's crazy. Create content, bro. But, uh, no, it it is really cool because they're – Nashville is so unique in the sense, like, you can go to Lipscomb. I mean, that's a perfect example. Mm -hmm. Go to Lipscomb. You got NFL guys. You got UFC guys. You got Theo Vaughn on the track getting demolished in a workout, and he's funny about it. But you see, like, these producers or – Script writers, whatever the case may be, but, like, this, like, very successful community in a small little unique place, like Lipscomb Training, and you just cross paths. And that's why Nashville, in a sense, has become very, very unique. That's why a lot of people are moving here for the content side of things or influencer side because it's, like, the, it's the cool thing to do. But I think what you're talking about, too, the relationship side of it, like, you know, we would have ne- we never met if it wasn't for moving to Nashville or starting a podcast or training at Lipscomb or training with Jay Todd and I would have never met Justin if Justin wasn't shooting photos for Justin or Jay Hold or anything like that and like it's 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 really cool and I think for me on the podcasting side it's just always it's it's consistency and it it can get discouraging at times because maybe one episode doesn't do too good another one pops off but then the next three don't do as well as the one that popped off. And it's like, you just have to stay consistent. Somebody out there is listening. Somebody out there is watching somebody out there is liking it. And, um, but it's just like staying engaged as much as you can. And for me, it's like, I think the hardest thing for me, um, is just that consistency. And like, I would love to do four podcasts a week, but I just haven't got to that point where it's like, I've structured my weeks out Because with kids and a a wife, like, our days change. We don't know what the next day is going to – one kid may be homesick, you know, so I can't do the podcast, whatever the case may be. But it is fun because with this, we get to share story and testimony and struggles and the grind to get vulnerable a little bit, have fun doing it too. But, like, the content side is – it is fun. It's like the Wild West right now, and it's become very lucrative for a lot of people um, we haven't made a dime on this podcast, but like, that's not really the goal, but it is, it can turn into a career where (laughs) these, you know, these people are, you know, making nice paychecks from, you know, brand deals or whatever the case may be, you know what I'm saying? Like for you, what is the goal? What is the goal with content? Is it just to continue to keep growing your own brand? Is it, I mean, do you really have kind of a, a vision board for yourself personally when it comes to this.
1: Yeah, I would say it's. Uh, look, each and every day it may change a little bit, but I think the the big goal is something I loved when I visited Gary V. Is I think the way Gary V. Is is you know a great. He's an entrepreneur, but he's also massive on content. He's everywhere: Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Snapchat, everything you can think of. He's on there, but he's also an entrepreneur. And he's in these businesses. And so, in a similar way, the goal for me in content is to get to a certain point that I can utilize it to, okay, I know an artist and we're in Nashville and there's a bunch of great artists, but it would be really cool. Like, one of my favorite things, like, if you know, that I look forward to is if I get a big enough following one day, here's so and so, little Jimmy that I met down the street, unbelievable guy, great artist, great writer. No one knows who he is. You know, I met him organically. At a coffee shop or something, or just walking on the streets of Nashville, yeah. and I'm like, he has talent. No, it's it's hard for him to break in. He's trying to break in. All this music world is extremely hard to get into. And is saying, you know what? I want to throw that guy's song up on my page. Yeah, I want to I want to blast him on a Spotify. Like Gary B has a Spotify um, channel or channel. Yeah, playlist yeah. is that yeah. that's the right word. He has a playlist that's that followed by a crap ton of people, and he can put an artist on there gives them so much, so many more eyes. It sounds and like the so three of
0: us need to cut a song and get on Gary Vee's playlist. Let's do it. Let's do it. Scotty's an aspiring songwriter. I know. No, Mac was there in the early days of it.
1: I, I was there, there in the early days, days when so, he was strumming his guitar.
0: So this is not a new thing. This is
2: an no, ongoing passion. That's why I moved to Nashville. That's why I chose Vanderbilt over a couple other options. I didn't know like specifically for music. It was just to be in Nashville for the music stuff.
1: Scott played his guitar back in the day.
2: Yeah.
0: I, I do want to sit in on a, on a round and get a little little write session in. I just want to see how it works. You know? In the, uh, the Bible study that I joined, Music Row Ministry, if, dude, Scott has been. If you ever want to go to one of the coolest Bible studies in town, Wednesday morning, 9 o'clock, Music Row Ministry at the Sony Building, dude, it is life-changing. And it's in a room with all artists. It's cool being an athlete because you're kind of an outsider. You walk in to a whole new ro- world with a whole new group of people, guys who are 19 years old, guys in their 60s who have had some, you know, Red Atkins is in our uh, men's Bible group. And it's like, dude, like, again, it goes back to Nashville being so unique where, like, you don't have to be the biggest name in town to, to walk into the same room as these guys. But the Bible study is incredible. Uh, w- we would love to invite you i would you absolutely, absolutely would, love to come dude yeah it's it's nine o'clock on wednesdays and uh dude it's just cool to like hear the perspective of these young hungry aspiring writers or or artists and like we all go through the same struggles athletes athletes and 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 songwriters and artists are there's there's so many parallels to the grind that we endure in our in our worlds and in theirs and it's Again, we're all humans. So we're all struggling in, in some different ways and, and maybe some similar, but like when it comes to like the profession of whether it's football or music, it's it's crazy how like, very, very similar it is. But yeah, music room ministry is a very unique, it's it's blowing up, man.' It's, we're, I don't think we get together until the first or second week of January, but uh, that invites out to you uh, because I got invited by one guy that was on the podcast. I didn't know about it. Brian Fuller was like, "Yeah, I go to I've Bible never study. heard of it." Yeah. Tell people love. I'll be I, there. I go to I go to Bible study every Wednesday morning, Music Row Ministry. Come on out. My cool when I walk into this room like, "Oh my gosh, like this is incredible." It's like Nashville's like it's 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 growing so fast that soon enough it's it's not going to be a it never was to be secret, but it's like it's not as known and like and it this all started with this guy Jordan Rowe. I'm going to have him on the podcast next week. I can't wait to have him on, but he had this vision, he had this like you know, dream in his heart to start a men's ministry, men's Bible study, and it just took him to have that boldness and the faith to just like invite one person, and maybe it's only two of us, but now it's grown into like 60, 70. Wow. Now people are starting to hear about Music Grow Ministry and it's like changing lives. It's lighting this the city on fire. It's cool, man, but it's like I don't know, just we talk about this quite often how unique and special Nashville is. You know, and it's it's really cool that we can interact with these with these people of of massive success or status where when you go out to L.A., dude, it's like it's so intimidating out there, you know, and and it's almost like if you go knock on a door to get a meeting or or even shooting an email, it's almost like you have to. All right. Hey, this is I'm Matt Overton. You don't know who I am, but here's my resume. This is what I've done. And if that resume doesn't match what they want, then you, you don't get invited in. Whereas here it's like, dude, let's go. Yeah. Let's go write a song. Hey, let's go over the well. Let's let's go to a, uh barista Parlor. Let's let's go grab a coffee. let like, and that's that's been my experience here with with just reaching out to people and people seem to be like very open to you know connecting. You know what I'm saying? Has that been your experience here with uh
1: the world you live in? Yeah, I love look. I love Nashville. And one of the big reasons is one, you have just the community. Like you have country artists, you have, you know, content creators, influencers, you have these big businesses moving here, you have cool startup app companies here, you have these new sports teams, you have the sports teams, you have like just everything you could want is here and the community just mixes and matches, and people are just so genuine and cool. Now, there is a little bit of side to it where there's a little bit of the LA-ness, you know? You're going to run into that anywhere. But I love, that's why one of the big reasons I'm here is because it's hard to leave. You have, you know, when we're talking about meeting people, people come to Nashville. You got you in Nashville. You got Scott in Nashville. You got these different people in Nashville that you want to meet and interact with. They're coming, and there's more and more. You got the NFL guys who train at Lipscomb. You have these different communities of people that just keep coming here, so in that sense, there's it's never going to run out of cool people to meet, and there's a lot of great people, so that's one big reason. And then two, for the business side of it, it's just nice because you're in a hot spot. You got BNA Airport, and you got these just big companies moving in. You got Amazon has moved. I'm pretty sure their office is here. As Oracle has their office here. You got these big music labels. Like the business side and the side of just you know meeting new people and building new communities. It's all right here. Yeah, and it's not going anywhere. It's actually becoming more and more and more every single day. That's cool, man.
0: Well, it sounds like you're we we call Scotty the pulse of Nashville. <laughs> well, it sounds like Mac might be the pulse with a capital P.
2: <laughs> he is, dude. He and the thing I will say about Mac too, and I think this has led to a lot of his success is Mac has always been the early adopter. Like he was the first guy on TikTok. He was the one that I think he even like knew the owner of Cameo before Cameo was what it is now. Yeah. Um, when Vine two came out, he was on that thread. It's like apps that worked,
0: apps that don't. So Mac he's on he's the, on the on the forefront of like the new stuff and what works and always has been. He's got he's got his he's got his finger on the pulse too. between that and
2: then also he's like very tech savvy. He like he made my highlight tape when I was trying to transfer, okay, like, he was that guy who edited everything yeah. for me. So he's always he's good with his phone electronics, and he's all, he knows what's going on, but
0: he also has the personality to where you're not afraid to just walk up to somebody and introduce yourself where a lot of people are intimidated. i and I'm, i I could be that person at, at times, like I'm introverted at times, extroverted in other settings, you know, so it's like, you know, it seems like you have that charisma where you're just like, you're the connector, man. Like you, you love to interact with people. You love to network. You love, and that's, that's a big name of the game is being willing to go knock on a door or shoot an email over or a DM and you may not get a response, but you know, soon enough, somebody's going to respond to you. And that's how it all starts. You know what I'm saying? So that's hundred cool, percent, So speaking, of, speaking on the pulse, like we talk about, we like to talk about like just, uh, I don't know, some, Nashville gossip or big news? you got anything for this this week, Scott? Anything big happen
1: in town or
0: anything
1: going on back in? I'm not here, and I travel too much to know what's going on in this town anymore. (laughs) Well,
0: then you're not the the pulse with the capital P. It's Scott. No, I know. It's always
1: been Scott. I said because Scott would always
0: have an answer for something. Like, hey man, did you hear about this or this album or this drama? And he's like, yeah man, I was scrolling on Twitter, went down this rabbit hole, man. He always had an answer. For the questions I had, so that's why. Oh, I, I've been
2: going down some rabbit holes lately. Yeah, you, I, I mean, you have with what? Well, I mean, so all these Nashville bars have all been announced. Like, well, first off, I heard a fact today: there's a hundred people that move to Nashville every day. That's been a fact for a few years now. So there's all these bars that are coming in. There's the Wallen Bar. There's Chiefs, whatever. And there's all this talk about it. when's all that going to happen? And when those do come in, I was wondering this today. What's going to happen to Aldean's, Tootsies, like all the stuff that's been there? You think that, like, their business is going to go down?
1: Absolutely not. I, I'll, I'll go ahead and say too big? this city is going to keep growing. I'm not saying I'm for it or against it, all these new bars and stuff, and all the whole Broadway deal. It's fun to go down there occasionally. It's a little bit out of control when now you're going on a Monday. When Quinn and Williams was here, I took him to lunch on like a Monday at like 11 AM, and it's just crowded. He's like, "What is this place? This is just Sodom and Gomorrah, you know? It's this crazy thing." To your, to answer your question, Scott, I think they're going to build more bars, and there's just going to be more people. Those other bars, Aldean's, Luke Bryant, all those places are going to forever be popping. I don't think it's ever going to slow down. I think the masses are going to keep coming in. People are going to. There's more bachelorette, bachelor parties, yeah. whatever it is. It's never going to stop. Well,
0: Garth Brooks just opened his bar. Like, yep, a few weeks ago. That's open. Yeah. And then the DraftKings bar just opened. Bar stools here now. So so Morgan's got a bar coming up soon down the pipeline. You mentioned Chiefs, so that's gonna be, um, that's gonna be a big one, and that's gonna be a unique setting right like, Because they're gonna do an actual ticketed live music venue, ticketed yeah. venue on the roof. Ooh, I didn't know that. That's kind of cool. That's gonna be sick, huh? Yeah. Shout out Weprin. Yeah, he's kind of on the forefront of that uh, project, but. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's ever a lack of good places to go. Now, I do think of, like, all right, if Morgan's going to have a bar now and almost every single big name in country music is going to have their own place, like, what does that do to, like, an Allen Jackson's or Lower Broadway or, you know, Printer's Alley? But I think there's a place for everybody. Like, if you don't want to go to Aldean's and fight the masses or Tootsie's, I mean, Tootsie's not going to go anywhere. I mean, that's, yeah. like, the OG – Of Broadway, but it's almost like, all right, well, if I don't want to be on Broadway because it's obnoxious and it's just way too crowded, then I'm gonna go to Lower Broadway or I'm gonna go down to Printer's Alley or I'm gonna go to Midtown. You know, I don't know if there's gonna really be a maybe some of those older bars might that doesn't have a name attached to it that's nostalgic or a big name like a Wallen or whatever Eric Church, whatever the case may be. They may struggle a little bit, but I mean, if you're on if you have real estate on Broadway. I mean, it's a cash cow. You know what I think, Broadway. You just have to have good drinks, good music, and a decent menu for some bar food. They need a comedy club. They
2: need another comedy club. Well, in Joe Nash. Rogan
0: needs to come down here and throw up with Theo. He's alone. talked about that. I think
2: with Theo, he talked about that. About he should. They need to open one here because there's only Zanies. Yeah. yeah.
0: So. And that's a hard place to get a ticket for a show. I mean, that's a small venue. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I know, right? Let's plot over here a little bit, huh? Let's not give away all the secrets. Let's, sh- them, huh? Let's uh, sh- uh, shoot uh, Joe Rogan a DM. Say, hey, man, we want to open a, a, a comic bar. We'll get Mac menu. to write it for. Me. There you go. We might just make a video for it. Make a reel and a TikTok, <laughs> yeah. just pleading our case, show our business uh, model. Yeah, Mac, you gonna do that with us? And see if it hits. It might That's hit. Big. And if it hits, it's gonna be a big hit. It's gonna, oh. it's gonna be a double platinum. Number one, bonafide. The comedy, the comedy shop. the, co- yeah, the comedy man. shop. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we're in the, you know, Christmas is next week, it's going by too fast, unfortunately. Um, I wanted to talk about, just, just end on a little holiday cheer with your your top three all time Christmas movies. We did songs last week. Scott's list was, pr- I gave it a C. Our guest, Eric Van Houten, gave it a, like a D-minus. Like, he said it was good, and then he gave me a D-minus. So I guess it wasn't that good. Hmm. And just to give you some context, I said, hey, Scotty, we're going to do a top list of your favorite Christmas songs. He's like, man, I don't know any Christmas songs. I'm like, how do you not know any Christmas songs? And his list, he had Chris Brown on his list. This Christmas? So out of all the songs in the history of Christmas songs, Chris Brown made, made his top five. And so I, I didn't even know Chris Brown had a Christmas album, or a song. But Chris Brown does not come to mind when I think of Christmas. So we're going to shift here to movies. And I hope you have a better list. You want to you start with your your top three?
2: Yeah, I'll go um, number three to number one. Yeah. So number three will be uh, Four Christmases, okay. yeah, That's
0: Spawn. Yeah, that's hilarious.
2: Yep. Uh, number two is going to be Home Alone 2. Lost in New York. Okay. That was like, that was the movie I watched when I was like little before I ever went to New York for the first time. Okay. And then you go and then you see everything. It's fun. Okay. And then number one's Christmas Vacation. That's, that's an every year thing.
0: Yeah. I was never, that's a good one.
2: Yeah, I was never a big Christmas story guy.
0: I got kind of burnt out on that one. I like it, but the 24 hours of Christmas story definitely gets you burnt out on TBS. It's a little <laughs> annoying, but it's a good movie. <laughs> Didn't make my top three, but Mac, do you have a top three?
1: Top three. Just
0: off the dome.
1: No particular order. It's going to be random. And it's going to be White Christmas, an old classic. You like ever seen White and, Christmas? Like black and white? I, I think originally it may have been black and white, but now they got color. Okay. I'm not sure. It's just a family favorite. My grandfather used to love it. It's got some great music, great soundtrack, an old classic. Had to throw that one in there. Got Elf. Watch okay. Elf like almost every single year. Huge Christmas movie will ferrell's the goat gotta love him. and then for my for my uh last one i'm gonna have to go with um shoot scott i'm gonna steal one from your list and go with uh christmas vacation just classic just no, comedy. really good hysterical
0: that, that that one has grown on me over the years incredibly like i don't think i ever watched it as a kid but as an adult like it's it's awesome it's hilarious that's I don't know if that's on my list. It could make, it could be on my list, but my list is gonna be. Let's see here. I'm gonna go with uh, this one's. This one's a little out there, a little different, but uh, it's more of a love, love movie. It's got a little. It's got a Jack Black in it. It's got Cameron Diaz in it. Um, I don't even know the title of it.
1: One of your favorite Christmas movies, and you don't
0: even know the title. I'm blank. Well, it, it, I'm just, again, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of going off off the dome, and I, I'm the one that created this little <laughs> bit, which is embarrassing. But I, no, I'm going to scrap that. I'm going to go Elf. Is it The Holiday? I'm going to go Elf number three. I'm going to go Elf number three. Number two is going to be Home Alone 1. And then my number one is going to be The Santa Claus, Tim Allen. Claus. Yeah, that Great. is my that is my all-time favorite Christmas movie. I'm a huge home improvement guy. Huge Tim Allen fan. I can quote that entire movie. We started watching Santa Claus probably in July. We're big on Home Alone right now. Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2. My daughter's even watching the the newer Home Alone 3 and 4, which are awful. Awful. We got to give Macaulay Culkin his flowers. He got the star on Hollywood Boulevard recently. Like, yeah, finally, after all these years, 40 years, it
1: took him to get a star.
2: And he married uh, Brenda Song from Sweet Life, Zack and Cody. Did you
1: ever watch that show? Yeah, but I don't know who that is.
0: What's the movie I'm thinking about with uh, Cameron Diaz? The Holiday. That's a good. That's a good movie. It's a good love movie. Solid film. Solid film. You've seen it. I've Cameron seen it. Diaz and yep. Jack Black. And Jude Law. And um, no, the girl from uh, Titanic is in there. No, is that her? I
1: yeah. don't know actors, actors and actresses like that.
0: Uh, I know Jude Law's in it. Name name the cast. I think it's the girl from Titanic. <laughs> Anyways, I, I fumbled that one big time. Didn't even know the title. Yeah, The Holiday. That's a good one. I'm not a big... Kate uh, Winslet. Kate Winslet. Yeah, The Grinch is also... Jim Carrey's The Grinch is also up there. Um, Yeah, it's... I feel like my list is pretty solid. But yeah, The, this, the Christmas Story, man. I feel, I feel like that one, people get
1: sick of it. They, like you said, they play it too damn much yeah. It's on it You can't turn on the TV without the Christmas story being on Like, let me just watch it if I want to watch
0: Elf, it The Elf is on quite a bit now too. It is, and I Home- hope people are not going to get burned out of that Home Alone's on quite a bit now But I can I, I dig a little Kevin You know, Kevin and Harry and Marv It's a classic I, I will ask you this Have you Are you guys well versed on Home Alone 1 and 2?
1: I'm not well versed on any movie Song
0: Not, not like from a, uh, you know you can actually like you know, know the script of it, but like do you like do you remember the sequence of events that happen? Yes. <sighs> no? Like no. When, when they tried to break into Kevin's house, like do you remember what happens to Harry and Marv, like stepping on a nail or getting their I ha-
1: remember different ones, one of them opening up a door and a punching thing coming out, punching someone. I remember like the sticky that's, that's like Home Loan 3, bro. Maybe sticky gooshoe things that like one of yeah. them sticks in the Pot falling and hitting someone on the head. Well, I'll ask Scott then. Who do you think gets the the worst of the brunt?
0: Harry or Marv? Harry. Harry. Why is that? Well, first of all, Harry's the tall
2: one, right? No, Harry's the. No, the is... Marv. Marv. When Marv got electrocuted.
0: Yeah. In that is. Too.
2: That's been my biggest fear. Is he like turns and then it's like his skeleton and then yeah, it's yeah, back yeah, to him.
0: Yeah. I think he gets. I think I I, I think Marv gets the uh, the worst. Punishment he, and, and number one we we'll go from home alone one he uh, first he He steps on a nail barefoot going up the stairs then he steps on all the ornaments because he's barefoot coming into the uh, the window by the Christmas tree Then he gets that the hot iron that comes down the chute smashes him in the face and then I believe he uh, What's another one that I feel like is really it, it would hurt incredibly? But then also Harry, he burns his hand on the on the doorknob, and then what else? He uh Marv takes the uh, what did what did he have? He had the uh, when the spider the, the the tarantula was crawling on his uh, chest. The crowbar, the crowbar. Yeah, and Marv goes down on Harry's chest like. Home run derby Just smacks the I mean that would hurt So bad But then in number two He gets Four bricks To the to the face And then he gets uh, He falls down the hole He gets electrocuted I think he gets the, uh, the worst Brunt of it all Out of the two But anyway That was just my Little side thought You know
2: Yeah I'm definitely Definitely more of a Marv guy
0: Marv guy I, I am too He's funny yeah, but Steve Pesci—that's his name, right? Harry. He's in Goodfellas. He's in so many like mafia movies. It's not Steve Pesci. It's um. I'm so What's bad. What's his God's first name?
2: name. Um, uh, no, Joe, Pesci. Joe Pesci. Pesci yeah. Joe
0: Pesci. Joe yeah, 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 Well, anyway, those were our our uh, top Christmas lists for the movies, and uh, it's always a good time of year christmas is next week already it's crazy we're rolling into 2024 so uh man thank you so much for stopping by sharing a little bit of your story the The bama story is incredible but then talking about your pivot into content creation all the things you got going on i appreciate you connecting me with frank you know with uh bring the juice having the podcast at your house <laughs> i mean they did like what six or seven episodes right in your living room i didn't even
1: know frank like i just yeah
0: him. yeah that's awesome let him have my house for the day yeah you're a connector man so i appreciate that man thank you for time taking the time out again you're you're invited to uh music road ministry bible study wednesday at nine i think it's like july uh january 10th is our next one okay so if you ever have the opportunity to come dude pop in dude it's incredible um i hope you have a merry christmas and a happy holiday and, and happy new year and excited to do something else with you man 100%
1: you know hundred percent.
0: Yeah, we we can come up with something. Yeah, dude. Uh-huh. Anytime, we can come up with go a lot of things. Go to the park, make a little TikTok. Yeah, do some content. Break the internet with something. Play some pickleball. We need to play some pickleball. Thank you so much for the paddle. Uh, this is probably gonna help my game out a little bit. This is this. It does this feels good.
1: It is not like a. It's a studied and researched. I have a data team. Yeah, it, your game does go up, and that data team may consist of one okay. person, maybe myself. But rumors we need to, have we it.
0: need to get on the court together because I, I haven't played it. I know games, we have to yeah.
2: play. I played Mac at the gym.
0: This, this is my doubles partner here.
2: Yeah, we have a bad record. I
1: took this. Scott down when I played him in singles and I was not even in clothes that I was preparing to wear. I'm pretty sure I was like in slides or something. It, it was
2: like 11-9 yeah. It was a
0: close game. Close game.
2: Eleven nine.
1: Buddy.
0: Well, well we need, what we need to get on the court soon. We need to we need to really hash this whole thing out. I got my I'm sure your doubles partner is probably Jordan. Yep. Who's really good. I play he smoked me in singles. I'm getting better though. Yeah, we'll get there.
1: We'll get that match going.
0: As long as he brings the he, I just need good attitude and good and good communication and we're okay. Good comms all the time. Cuz he's my lefty, I'm a righty. I mean, I feel like we could really be a dynamic duo if we just get on the same page, move our feet, stay lateral, communicate, keep each other's morale boosted. Because More some, dinks, less doinks. Yes. We can't go. We can't bring the hammer every time. Yeah. So we'll get on the court soon. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. But thank you, Mac Hereford, everybody. Check him out on Instagram. Um, yeah, man, if you ever start your podcast, let me know, man.
1: Absolutely. You, you should do
0: it. You, you're you really good at speaking and, and engaging, and I think you would have a, a great time doing it because I love doing this podcast. It's so awesome, and I appreciate it. you having me on. It's been Absolutely, awesome. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Have a great week. Love you.